Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. No, no, if you look, watch, wait till the light hit her again. Strobe like, bam, so he told you she's looking at me. She was not looking at you. All the time he swore that the girls were trying to holler at him. And so he would, you know, we'd be like, okay, cool. Well, if she's trying to holler at you, tell you what, you're going to be the go-to guy. In other words, you're going to go talk to her and have her and her crew hang out with our crew, and we're going to rendezvous. No, I'm just playing. But, <laughs> but we, that person, this same person who always lied about being the man, who thought he was the man, never was, called his bluff one time. He says, yeah. yo, that girl's checking me out. He's like, all right, okay, cool. Go talk to her. Set it up so we can all come together and just hang out, see what they're going to do. So he went toward her. He stood next to her. It looked like he was having a conversation with her. Here's what happened. In the end, he came back. He's like, yeah, yeah, they got to do this or whatever. They're not going to hang out with us. So we called his bluff, walked up to her. Hey, how you doing? So we hanging out or what? She's like, excuse me? Said, how you talk to him? He's like, no, 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 no. My man said he just talked to you, and y'all were done with hanging out. She was like, nobody talked to me. I was like, he stood right next to you right here at this stand, because it was like an uh, ice cream stand or some kind of stand. He stood right next to you, and he was talking. She said, he was, that weird dude was standing next to me singing a song or something. He wasn't even talking to me. He was faking it, self-deception, but he thought he was the man uh, and never really was. And it was hard for us to tell him. So he did not know because, you know, he, he thought in, in his mind all these years that he was the man. So it was a lie. And we're going to talk about that. That's just one small little harmless incident. And today we're going to talk about some deeper stuff that will stretch you. That was the icebreaker. Now we're going to get deep. Let us pray. Eternal God and wonderful God in heaven, may your name be kept holy. God, today I I honor you with my life. I honor you with everything within me. God, you've prepared this message. You've you've labored over it, Father God, and just allowed me license and permission to share it, Lord. And I thank you for that. I pray, O God, that in these next few moments that these words, your words, Father God, pierce the ears but lie on the hearts of the people that are here today. Not that, that, that they just take these words and say, wow, what a good word, but it impacts and changes their lives, Father God. That this word, your word about self-deception, stretches us to remove our mask and live a life according to you. God, we ask these things today in the mighty and matchless name of your son, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. I want to talk to you about two truths of the self-deceived. There are two truths about the self-deceived. Here's the first one. The longer we view ourselves through a distorted lens, the more likely we are to believe a distorted truth. The longer we look at ourselves through a distorted lens, the more likely we are to see ourselves in a distor- as a distorted truth. Scripture behind that is here. We'll find that in uh, Psalm. I love David with this Psalm. Psalm 36, 2 through 3, he says this, in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. In their blind, let's stop there and then we're going to finish this. We'll go to verse 3 in a minute, but it says this, in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they are. I had to, I didn't understand this at first, like in their blind conceit, so they're blind and arrogant. Is that what that means? So, I looked up the term conceit, And according to a Merriam-Webster dictionary, it's a favorable opinion, especially excessive appreciation of one's own worth or value. In their, let's read the scripture now, in their especially excessive appreciation of their own virtue, 
They cannot see how really wicked they are. In their own conceit, in their own blindness, they can't see everything that they're saying is wicked. Just how wicked they are. They told themselves, in other words, they've told themselves this lie about themselves in the mirror every day. I'm the man. I got it going on. I'm the chica. I got it going on. I'm the, you know what, the the head, you know what, in charge. I got it going on. My life is the bomb, and it's really not, but I got to go. They've said this so much to themselves and believed this lie for so much. They are blind by the truth in their blind conceit, meaning they can't even see the reality behind it. In their blind conceit, it says here that in their blind conceit, they cannot see just how wicked they really are. And then it says this, everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse to act wisely or do good. Now, now their refusal to act wisely or do good, it's, it's not because they don't want to. I just want to clear that up. It's not because, man, I, I don't want to do good or, or I want to tell lies. What happens is, y'all heard this, you know, when you tell one lie, you got to tell another. And then just to cover up that lie, you got to tell another. And then you t- just to mask that other lie, you got to tell another. And before you know it, the only thing truth about all your lies is that your lie is a lie. That's the only honest thing about your lie is that your lie is a lie. So we tell a lie to cover up the other lie and the next lie and the next lie, and you're doing this for an extended period of time, then that lie becomes your truth, your reality. And this is what David is saying in this psalm, which I love and so beautiful, and I know he's saying it so well. I'm not going to do that. He says, in their blind conceit, they, can, they cannot see how wicked they really are. I'm convinced that I got it going on, so I don't, I don't realize. You know, it's not my fault that I, 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 I've been living this lie. And everything they say is crooked and deceitful. Well, I got to keep telling the lie to keep covering up the other lie. They refuse to act wisely or do good. Now, they know they're telling a lie. Now, what he's saying is they refuse to acknowledge that you're telling a lie and come clean and say, you know what? For the past 20 years, I've been lying. I'm a fraud. I'm a fake. Forgive me. Can we start all over? By the way, my name is Broderick Maurice Santiago. Can we start all over? All these years I've carried this lie. Can we, can we start all over? The only truth they know about it is the fact that their lie is a lie. And here's the challenge is, what it, what, here's what the challenge is. If we cannot see our own sin, then we live in ways, watch this, that destroy us and the people around us. I keep living a lie, and I'm not being honest. I'm destroying not only me, but I'm destroying the people around me, people, people that, that, that love me or people that I love. Here's an example. You might know somebody that battles with pride. You call them out on it. You know what, Alex, I love you, man, but you got an issue with pride. No, I don't. I'm the most humble person I know. Anytime, anytime somebody leaves with, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just humble. Bull. You arrogant poo-poo. I'm not going to say it. You know what I'm saying? Anytime somebody leads with, I'm humble. Bull. I, you, you do, if you are humble, you don't have to say anything. Your actions speak louder than your words. Some people go overboard with it. You know, they, you, know you try to give them a compliment like, hey, you know, uh, man, you, 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 you did a really good thing, man. I, I appreciate you. you. You showed up at 6 o'clock, and you didn't leave till 6 o'clock. You just helped and volunteered and, and everything. Oh, no, man. That, you know, no, nah, not nah, just, you know, they're so caught up in wanting to be humble that they can't even take a compliment. That's, that's a whole different monster in itself. What we're talking about is that person that has an issue with pride and, and, and leads with, no, 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 I'm the most humble cat I know. What'd you say? That you know. The humble, most humble person that you know. Nobody else knows that. Okay, maybe that's not a good example. How about this one? You battle with gossip. I know this don't apply to none of y'all. None of y'all have texted or tweeted or Facebooked or called your homie to say, yo, you know what happened in church today? Broderick, like, he, like, jumped on the, on the, on the chairs and talked about his privates and everything and... You, that's none of y'all. I know that. That's none of y'all. Oh, did you hear that such and such uh, got fired? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that's not y'all, but that's just one of the things some of us struggle with. And, and, and then you confront somebody by like, yo, Greg, you got an issue with gossiping. Now, this is really not Greg. It's not Greg today. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> 
You know, like, yo, you got, a, you got an issue with gossiping. And then here's Greg's rebuttal. No, I don't gossip, but if we're a community, it's my duty to kind of tell the other people in the community about it so we can be accountable for them. Right, Pastor? And it's like there's a fine line between accountability and gossip, especially when the motive is, oh, I can't wait to tell Nikki. Nikki, guess what happened? And then Nikki, oh, I can't wait to tell Steph, guess what happened? The motive is different versus, yo, Nikki, B done lost his flipping mind. Call such and such, let's run an intervention. There's a big difference with gossiping and accountability. That's, I, I know this doesn't apply to y'all. Y'all don't gossip. Y'all are, y'all are perfect like me. Um, you're rude. That's, again, I, I, it's nobody here. Nobody here is rude, Jared, but um, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Listen, nobody here is rude. I, I get that, you know. We blame it on being from New York and, and stuff like that, but you call somebody out on it, that's, that's the, they're, they're quick to they're, they have a, a rebuttal. No, I'm just, I'm going to tell it like it is, Cat. Why lie? Listen, if they, if they, it, listen, if that outfit didn't match, I got to call them out on it. Why would you wear plaid with polka dot? Who, why? Why commit such a heinous fashion crime? How dare you do that? What do you mean you eat your cereal like that with this kind of milk? What, what kind of person are you? That's not the proper way to eat cereal. There are some people just ruled about every doggone thing. Why do you parallel park that way? Why do you do this that way? And if I, they find it to be their duty, their God-given call to be that person to call you out about every doggone thing. Y'all know who they are because when you see them, you do like this, like, oh, my goodness, they're such and such. They didn't see me, did they? Because you don't want to hear their rude uh, uh, comments and stuff, Right? They're building, they're, they're tearing you down instead of building you up. So the first one is, the, the first truth is, the longer we view ourselves through a distorted lens, the more likely we are to believe it. That's that person who deals with pride. That's that person that struggles with being uh, a gossip person. That's that person that's struggling with being rude. The second one is, often the more convinced you are that you're right, the more likely you are that you're wrong. Often, the more convinced you are you're right, that's the first one, the more likely you are wrong, wrong. Here's a supporting scripture. I love it. And Peter's such a great example. Matthew 26, 33 through 35. Here's Peter. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Then Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Pete, this very night, tonight, not tomorrow, tonight, before the rooster crows, homeboy, you're going to deny me three times that you never even knew me. Peter, no, not me. No, 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 I, not me. Even if I got to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Y'all know how that ended, right? I don't know Jesus. I, I don't know this man. Listen, I just saw him at the bus stop. We ain't even cool like that. Denied him, but he swore up and down. I will never, no, not me. Maybe Judas. <laughs> Maybe one of them other cats, but Jesus, not me. I'm never going to deny you. No way in the world am I going to ever do that. I would never do that to you. You've done so much for me. I mean, you called me the rock. Why would I ever do that? And you did it. Often, the more convinced that you are right, meaning Peter's like, I won't do that, the more likely you are wrong. And he did it three times. Did it. He did it. Here's the thing. The more adamant you are about being right, the more likely you are about being wrong. You ever try to confront somebody that had like an alcohol problem? You know they just had a, an issue with drinking. It's like, yo, listen, you've had way too much. No, 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 no. I can handle this. I, listen, I've been doing this for, and normally they've been doing it for years. Every time you confront, I've been doing this for 15, 20 years. 
I ain't, I ain't never had no problem. Because you've convinced yourself that you don't have no problem, fool. You got a doggone problem. I tell you what, go without it for a week. Why would I do that? To prove me wrong. Go without it for a week. Or somebody, yo, you, you know what, man? You got to leave that weed alone. I don't have no weed problem. I, listen, I, I, don't, I don't even got to touch weed for, for a week. It's like, dude, you have a problem with the weed. When you come to me to borrow money, right, but you blunting, something's a problem. Obviously, the blunt was more important than the bills. You got the bees mixed up. You got to get back on track. This is a conversation that I had with my little brother. I'll never forget. It's like, yo, bro. Check this out, man. Maybe you need to stop blunting so much. You you blunting a little too hard. Man, no, I've cut back, man. I only man, I only man I only hit this thing like three times a week. Well, how much were you doing it before? And so I'm done doing the math. Now, listen, I'm not a saint. I'm from the hood. And I know some things. I'm saying you blunting three times. Let me see. If we're doing nicks, that's nickel bags. I'm doing the math. Well, if you're doing dimes, you know, I'm doing the math. I'm like, brother, you're spending some real cash. And you're saying that was just three, that's, that's your cutback. You've cut back to just three times a week. So before it was an everyday habit, two or three times a day. Let me do the math, brother. You're spending like a couple hundred on some weed, man. And you don't have no, you don't own jack besides the clothes on your back. I don't have a problem. <laughs> Let's see. Here's the one that's the hardest one. It's telling a family member or a friend or somebody you love, you know what? If you just sat down and did a budget, oh, nobody want to hear that. They just want to borrow your money. Yo, can I, can I borrow like 20 bucks? Yeah, cool. But let me tell you what. Let me, let me break this down for you. You know how to do a budget? Oh, I know how to do a budget. Let's sit down and do one together. Well, not today. I got to rush. I, I need to run it. You're going to give me this 20 so I can go pay the bill. And God forbid, I, every now and again, get on social media, and there's a party going on, and I'm spending all the money on the party. You borrow from me. You have a party, but you don't got time to sit down and let me teach you how to budget your money. That's the hardest one, is talking to people about finances. I don't have a money problem. But why did you stand in line for the new pair of Jordans, but you're paying rent? Don't own nothing, but your baby got to have the Jordans. Why in the world do you have a 75-foot TV in your living room, and your living room is only 30 square feet? I don't have a money problem. Bulljack! I'm getting close. <laughs> Lord, have mercy on me. Woo, Jesus. You got a video game problem. I don't have no video game problem. Really? When was the last investment you made into something other than your own benefit? You see, I, listen, I don't have a problem. Okay, let me do this. I see you, church. Let me see what you're tithing statement looks like versus your video game statement look like. Yep, you got me beat, brother. You're gaming, but you're not gotten. You're gaming, but where's the gospel at? You're gaming, but I don't have a problem. Okay, now let's compare man hours in community service versus man hours on the game. Uh-huh, okay, good. Doesn't add up. I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem. You a sex addict. I'm not a sex addict. I just, you know, I just like to get my groove on. But you get excited when you see a dog on Cheerios commercial because something about the little hole in the milk does something to you. I don't have no sex problem. What you getting excited about Cheerios for? Huh? What? I said something wrong? Y'all know them people or something? I don't have no sex problem. I don't, I don't have no issue with sex. You can't even walk past, can't go in the mall and walk past Victoria's Secret. I want to stop in there to see if somebody might be accidentally trying on something and you get a peek. I don't, I don't have no problem. You got a problem. Let's talk about it. 
Let's get you some help. Whatever it is, finances. Here's the one. Everybody probably has this one. I know this goes on in my house. You're addicted to your cell phone. Huh? Don't nobody walk out, please. Hey, Brandon, lock the doors. Lock the doors. They're going to walk out on me. Chain them up. Do like Morgan Freeman. Lock them up. I don't have no problem with it. Well, why you got it in the bed with you? Who going to call you in the bed? It don't matter. You're taking it to the toilet with you. I don't have a problem. You can't leave without it. You wipe it and texting at the same time. I don't have no problem. You nasty self. Huh? I don't have no problem. I can put my phone down. God forbid you lose it. You're late for work. You're late for a funeral. I got to get to this funeral, but I can't leave without my phone. Jesus, where my phone at? Trace your steps. I ain't got time to trace my steps. I need my phone. The world is going to come to the end without my phone. Something important is going to happen while I'm on the toilet, so I need my phone. You're addicted to your cell phone. Becomes your lover. That's, that's, that's a problem in my house. I ain't going to even front about it. Not with me, though. My phone stays downstairs. That's why y'all call my wife every time. They call my wife in the middle of the night. Somebody needs something. They, they re- try to reach me. They don't get me. They call my wife. Oh, he's right here next to me. He leaves his phone downstairs. Because ain't nothing that important that I can't get to you the next morning unless you are really about to commit suicide. Then I say, call my wife. Text my wife. Call whoever. I, I'm there. But there's nothing that I can't handle the next morning. If you're calling me at midnight, I'll be up in six hours. Let me get my rest. I'll be better to help you. You know what I'm saying? But some of us are addicted to our phones and social media, Facebook and tweeting and all of that, to, and pinning people and all of this jazz. I mean, let me move on because y'all ain't liking this too much, and I don't blame you. I told you we're going to stretch you. We're going to stretch you out a little bit. This message today, I'm telling you, Y'all, going, we, we, y'all probably sitting here right now, but as we get a little bit deeper into it, and we're going to wrap it up real quick, you're going to be sitting here thinking, you know what? I wish such and such was here. Man, this would be good for, for this, this, this girl I'm seeing. Man, this message would have been great for this guy I'm seeing. Oh, man, this would be perfect for my coworker. This would be perfect for my spouse. This would be perfect for my, my son, my daughter, my, my neighbor. And it is good. This message is perfect for them. But today, I want you all... I want you all to listen with an ear, a holy ear. I want you to listen to see what God wants you to get from this message. Because I want to tell you something. A lot of you raised your hand for self-deception. I raised both mine. And those who didn't, they don't realize they battle self-deception. So listen to this message today and try to really pinpoint what God wants you to get from this message. Because he's going to be speaking to all of us. What we're going to talk about, in essence, today is what we need, what, uh, what do we need to hear the truth, to be transformed by the truth, and live in the truth. I'll give you three easy steps to live in the truth. The first one is pray. Always lead with that. Pray. Specifically, These next seven days, I'm giving you all a prayer challenge. The next seven days, say this prayer, Psalm 139, 23 through 24. This is is David. I love David so much. He's so awesome. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and then lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search my heart, God. I, I, I know I've been, I, I know there's some things within me that don't honor you, but I've masked them so long I can't even identify what those things are. I've, I've worn this mask and hid those things that I know that don't honor you for so long I can't identify them. And my friends aren't bold enough to point those things out to me, or perhaps they have and I've not been willing to listen. Search my heart, God, for those things that don't honor you. And then, and, and then 
help me fix them. The things that I'm anxious about that ain't got nothing to do with you, the things that, that just like drive my everyday motivation, the things that I wake up for that don't honor you, yeah, jack me up about that stuff too. This is what David was saying. David, I just, you know, David was just so transparent in his, in his praise and, and honor to God. I, I just love it. And for the next seven days, I dare you, I ask you, I challenge you, I, I, I beg of you, read this every day. But don't do it like this. Search my heart, oh God. Know my heart. Test me. Uh, uh, test me and, and, and know my anxious uh, uh, thoughts and uh, point out anything in me that offends you and let me think, I, I got to go. And you take off. Because that's what y'all do. Y'all hit the snooze button, going to be late for work. Broderick said, read it. Search me. And go. No, read this. Make time. Make, make sure you set your, 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 your alarm clock 30 minutes early. Okay? Read this and sit in silence. Read this and sit in silence. And let God examine your heart. It's like being in a, getting an x-ray, but you don't have to worry about anything. You know, you, you don't have to put on no padding or nothing. You, you want this kind of stuff to happen, right? And God is going to put that x-ray behind you, and he's going to do the little machine. I might be getting this wrong, Christine, I know. But she's an x-ray tech, yeah, something like that, a teacher. You got a couple titles. Anyway, so God is going to examine you. He's going to do that, and he's going to look at the proof when he's done, and he's going to say, yeah, this thing there, I know, I know you forgot about it because for the past 20 years, you've, you've just lived this thing, and it's become a part of who you are, and you've made it a part of your DNA, although I did not give you permission to do that. Yeah, this thing, D, yeah, let me, let me fix that in you. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 Brian. That thing there, that thing you, you, you buried about 10 years ago, yeah, yeah, I know you forgot about it, but you've, you've somehow carved it into your heart, and that's not who you are. So let, 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 let me work with you on, on, on that. Yeah, yeah, Joe, I, re, I remember uh, just last year. Yeah, yeah, I, I know you thought that was who you are, but that's, that's not who I, I've, I've called you to be. You can go ahead and remove that mask, and let me, let me mold you and remind you of the man that I've created you to be. Seven-day challenge. Get up 30 minutes early. Devote 30 minutes. Just read this. Don't, and don't do no silence. Amen. Let God hear your voice. He loves the sound of your voice. He gave you that. Some people don't have a voice. He gave you that voice. He wants to hear it. All of the melodies and the tones and everything of your beautiful voice, speak to him. You don't have to sing it if you can't do it. It's a song, meaning it's a song. And then Listen. And hear what God is saying. And then I dare you to journal it. I think God was trying to tell me about this, this little habit of mine. I totally forgot I was struggling with that. I've been struggling with it so long. It's just a permanent part of who I am. Do that. That's my challenge to you. Is there anything within me that I don't see that isn't true? Have my friends and family and pastor and boss and coworkers been telling me some things and I just did not hear? Here's the other thing. Number two. First thing we must do is pray. Second thing I challenge you to do is listen. Listen. Proverbs says this. Proverbs 15, 31, 32 says this. If you listen to a constructive criticism, that's the New Living Translation, right? The NIV version, which is the New International Version of the Bible, says this, which I love. If you listen with uh, life, if you listen to life-giving rebuke, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Now, let me pause right there because this is so important, extremely important. There are people that are not uh, critics on the good side. There are people in your life or people that you will encounter that are intentionally trying to break your behind down. We do still have a spiritual enemy by the name of Satan who will send those people that are a part of his army to try to destroy you. 
and tell you some things that are negative. I'm not talking to those people. I'm talking about the people that you know that you know love you. The people that you know got your back. The people that were there when it was high times and low times. The people that you trust. Those people who've been in your life forever. If they say, hey, you got an issue. Listen. And when you listen, don't just listen to God. Don't don't just stop at God, you know. God is telling me this. God also speaks through your loved ones. He speaks through your loved ones. Listen to them as well and put it together. If somebody that you love is telling you something and you thought you heard this from God, that's the big C word. It's called confirmation. Embrace it. If it's life-giving, remember, it's got to be life-giving. Hey, hey. Let me tell you, here's a perfect example of that. September 11th, I, I became the pastor of what is um, formerly called Courageous Church. Y'all know, y'all were here for that. I was a pa- uh, pastor of Courageous Church. I didn't know Jack. I didn't. Prior to becoming pastor, I probably preached two, maybe three sermons. And I say maybe because I don't know if one was really a sermon or was I just part of a program. I don't know. I hadn't led a church. I wasn't a pastor. I've been in ministry since I gave my life to Christ. I've served in the leadership position in ministry. I've prayed over people. I've been the person to visit hospitals. I've been the person to to be a part of prayer teams and worship and all of that stuff. I, I did that. But pastoring was something new. I didn't know what to do. Yeah, I took it when I was in theology school. My wife and I, we took preaching classes and all of that stuff, and I mastered those classes, yada, yada, yada. Cool. But I had never preached a sermon. And I was standing up here, I ain't going to even lie, I look back at some stuff, I was standing up like, man, I'm crazy or something, man. I'm surprised these people stuck around as long as they did. And then there was Dorothy who came up and said, yeah, B, lay back a little bit on this. Or, or talk more about your personal story. Or, and then it was Jared who says, yeah, that was kind of whack today. I, I don't know where you were going with it. You just seemed lost. And, 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 and coming from them, because I know they love me, excuse me, you know, I, I, uh, I received it well with good criticism. Now, in the same voice that they were telling me that, man, you know, you could have done better out of love from their heart. Man, uh, you know what? If you share more of your personal story, I think that will connect with people more. I felt that in the same voice that they were saying that, there were people that were like, man, I'm just going to say it like this. Your preaching is whack. I didn't know where you were going. This didn't add up with this. And, man, I think you should have been, like, practicing longer. You're not experienced enough. You don't know what you're doing. You need to sound more like T.D. Jakes. Hey, let me tell you something. Now let me stop. <laughs> Ron, I'm working on that hoop, man. I'm going to get it. Huh? My, my father-in-law would be proud of me if I could hoop, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> they don't want me to hoop. I, they at least let me have my hanky. But there were people, listen to me, at the same time my loved ones were pouring into me and encouraging me and telling me, hey, man, there was somebody, I won't even lie, and, 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 and this, will, this will be a podcast, and so if they hear it, I don't care. They need to. There was somebody, and Corinne was at the meeting that was like, hey, I write poetry. I can write your sermons for you. I'm like, what? I read your poetry, and it's whack, dude. You're too little to write this powerful. I'm serious. Beating me down. By the way, those people aren't here. So do I take their criticism? No, no, you don't, you don't have love for You don't even believe in this thing. You don't believe that God is even in it. That's why you dipped. But when somebody's trying to build you up, listen. And what did I do? I went back. I said, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right, Gerald. Jared, 
you're right, Dorothy. Let me, let me go back. Okay, so I went back to my notes from theology school and preaching class. I said, okay, I got this. Then I looked and said, what's the number one book on designing a sermon out there today? And it was Andy Stanley's book. Highly recommended. And I bought that. And I bought, another, I bought about three or four books on how to outline and design my sermons. And I began to look in the mirror and practice and go over how I speak. And, 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 and then, and, you know, and, and, and I did that. And then Ron came up and says, man, you're getting there. That's good. But where is Broderick at? Because it's too clean. Because it was. It was too clean. It was just, yes, and I was using all of my theological terms. And so I exegeted the pericope today, and uh, this is what the Lord was speaking into my soul. And so, and Ron was like, man, that's good, B. But, but, but where's B at? Where's Broderick at? Where's that rawness, that passion? And I was like, okay, Ron, I, I got that. See that? That's three people I've identified in this room that gave me some criticisms because they loved me. They wanted the best out of me. It was life-giving. And then I look just last week, and I'm telling people, you know, thank you for what you're doing. And people are like, man, you don't even know what you are doing for me. You don't even know what you're doing by allowing God to you. Thank you, brother. And I'm like, whoa, no, 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 I can I give God credit, but thank you all for believing in me enough to criticize me and give me life-giving rebuke, not bashing me, and that's it. You suck. Adios. Good day. Vida Zing. Thank you. I almost said punk. Yes, 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 y'all snuck that in? Yes, y'all snuck that in? I'm good. I'm good with it, man. I told you I'm from the hood, man. All right, anyway. <laughs> if you notice on that line there, it says, uh, what is God or a loved one trying to tell you? Think about that. Cut that little part out. Put it on your mirror. And, 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 and then write that psalm there that I told you how to write. And look at it every day when you get up in the morning. Have that just stuck on your mirror. Look at that. Say that prayer they say, what is God or love one trying to tell me? Here's a fact. I'm going to help you figure it out. Ready? If somebody that loves you or cares for you has told you something about yourself that they consider is wrong or they consider is a problem, guess what? It's a problem. If someone has told you something about yourself more than once, someone that loves you and cares for you, it is the fact, Jack. And you need to do something about it. Even if you're dating, your friends, your girlfriend, so your girl, that guy ain't no good. Nobody loves me so much. Yeah, but he ain't, he ain't even take you out in public yet. Y'all just hang out at your crib. Yeah, but, you know, he just, you know, he just like to be alone with me and give me all of his attention. Don't want to share with nobody else. Just us. Just us. And your girls are like, he got a chick on the side. That's why he's not taking you out of public. No, he don't. I'm going to say that. Or your guys, you're dating a girl, and they're like, yo, bruh, dude, she just wants you for your money. No, nah, no, nah, she don't want it. Why is it every time she turn around, she want to give you her car and borrow your Mercedes? You, you know, I mean, just because she, she ain't have enough gas. Why didn't you give her gas money? I just, she just used my car. I was full. Well, well, well why don't she want to hang out with you in public? Huh? Huh? Why couldn't my scenario have been the other way around? Nowadays, you are accurate. You are accurate. That's the same guy that don't want to be seen with you in public but borrow your nice ride and take his kids to Kangazoon. <laughs> The bottom line is, it's true. Yeah, in Atlanta, that is more true, Nikki. You're right, unfortunately. But listen, the fact is, if somebody's telling you the truth, and they've said it more than once, somebody you love, believe it. Here's the next thing, final thing, and we're done. We're out this joint. You have to change. Oh, man. I actually got to do something else. Okay, I was cool with the, with the pray and then listen, but now I got to change? Oh, oh. That's hard. I mean, because I've been looking in the mirror for the past 20 years. I've been, I've been looking in the mirror, and, and it's like one of those circus mirrors. It's all distorted, but I believe that's who I am. And you want me to change that? 
20 years of this lie that I've built up, 20 years of this, this, this image that I've, I thought that I was, 20 years of this thing that is permanently attached to me, you want me to change that? Now, now here's the good news. Some people in here today will take that word change, walk out, and say, you know what? I know what my issue is. I know I'm living this lie. I'm going to stop today. It'll be that simple for some people. Here's the bad news. The reality is that's not most of us. I've been living a lie for a long time. A long time. I saw myself because of so much hurt, so much pain, so much loneliness, so much denial in my life that I believed that this image that I saw in the mirror was me. And it was. But the mirror that I saw myself in was one of those circus mirrors where you kind of like distort it. But that was me. I thought that was me. And then this year, one of the most beautiful things happened to me that has ever happened to me before in my life. I spoke with a therapist for the very first time. And I unloaded on this dude so much so that he was like, I think he was writing a script on the side. I thought he was taking notes, but I looked, and it was like, then Broderick exits and enters, and the lights fly. I was like, he writing a script about my life because it was that detailed. And I shared stuff that I had not shared publicly with anybody, not even my wife, just some issues and hurt and things that happened. And, and in the end, he told me, he says, Broderick, you know what you do? You have this tendency because you've been through so much that when you go through certain things, certain pain, certain very hurtful things, you have this tendency to shut down and carry it on your back. But for some reason, you're like Superman strong. You don't break. You have this incredible, uh, I won't call it a gift because it's not one, but you have this incredible thing that you can do where you can take all of this junk, hold it in, and not break. He says, but I want to let you know, at some point, you are going to crash. And he says, when you crash, someone is going to get hurt bad, and it could be you. He says, so it's good that we're speaking now. And I share with him. Oh, I mean, I broke down. I have it, and I have it filed away. Don't y'all go looking. If y'all come to my house, looking where I got because I got it hidden somewhere in my house in a folder called Confidential. Nobody's going to notice that, right, Ron? They won't notice it. And I have that, and every now and again I look at that, and I say, that's me. That's the real me. Not this distorted image of Broderick. Not this, this, this circus mirror Broderick. This is who I really am. Hey, you. And I got to know me all over again, and it's been great. It's been great for y'all because I've learned myself in this process. It's been superb for my marriage. It's been phenomenal for uh, my children and I, because I know what, what I was holding back. I told my father some of these things, and he was like, son, I didn't even know. He says, but that, what you're telling me, is the same thing that I use to write an Emmy Award-winning movie. You going you to write my script? Let's do it. I can get us some money if it's good. We can do it, brother. Anyway. Y'all don't know, Jared, Jared's a scriptwriter. He's, he's a videographer, and Miss Dorothy was uh, his, his teacher and, at Clark. See, I'm, I'm bringing all the kind of Clark, Clark, Connection, Clark, and you know, AUC, all this stuff. Here's the thing. Don't leave here today thinking that this thing, whatever it is that you've been hiding and lying to yourself about, is you. Look deeper. Look below the surface and realize it's not you. James 1, 22 says this, and we're out. I promise you, my wife is coming up soon. But don't just listen to God's Word. Don't just listen to it. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Don't just listen to His Word when He even… I'm not talking about Scripture here. James is not just talking about Scripture. Neither am I. Don't just listen to God's words. In other words, when your family member speaks to you, and God spoke through them to you, that's God. Listen and do if it's genuine, like I did. 
When they said, Broderick, you know, if you just do this or change this, listen and do. B, where's the rawness? Bring it back. Okay, cool. Ish and stuff like that I say now. Huh? I didn't say it. But I'm saying I listened and did what it said. God in his word said, just the other day, let me give you all a perfect example real quick. Some of you all may not know because it happened so fast. The transmission on my van went out. It went out in the summer. It was already breaking down. But it completely died on Wednesday, meaning my wife could not put it in gear. I'm home with the babies. I'm like a superhero. When I hear panic in my wife's voice, I want to run to where she at. I can't get in the car. I want to run. My first thought was I'm going to get my stuff and oh, I forgot I got kids here. That's how I am about my wife and my kids. I, listen, I don't think. I react. And she's like, oh, the car won't go and gear won't move. I'm pressing the gas. It's in drive. I said, oh, baby, I, I want to come, but I don't. What do we do? I said, just let it cool off. And she was headed to her women's meeting. She made it to Starbucks. I pray. I said, God, just, just blow her to Starbucks. Whatever you got to do, even if they won't go in the gear, just blow her to Starbucks. Get her there, and we'll figure out the rest, and we'll get somebody to pick her up. And she made it to Starbucks. And got the car there. She says, okay, I'm going to sit here and wait to see if anybody shows up for the meeting. I says, okay, if somebody doesn't, let me know. Let's call such and such. We'll get you a ride. Transmission broke. I don't know what I'm going to do. I says, well, we got the church van. We'll just use the church van. Well, the starter broke on the church van, so that won't start turn over. And I'm like, oh, man, well, I can't call you a cab. I don't have no money. It was bad. It was scary. I says, God, what should I do? And he pointed. He says, remember that word I told you? Don't worry about tomorrow's stuff. Cause don't worry about today because tomorrow has its problems of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has its problems of, the world, of its own, and I'm going to take care of all of this. And I says, okay, God, I trust your word, so don't worry. He said, I'm not going to worry. And pray about everything. Pray about it. God, I, I, I've served you as your son. I love you. Will you help us fix this thing out? Long and short of it. Y'all saw the van in the parking lot, right? It's been repaired. What I did was God sat me down for me. He says, calm down. Erica got home, by the way. One of our friends picked her up. Then she also picked our kids up, and it was wonderful. And then uh, good friends of ours, you all know them, uh, Martell and, and Renata Goldsmith brought over one of their vehicles for us to borrow while ours was being repaired. They don't even attend here, but they drove the car over and put gas in there and everything and used it as long as you needed. Then I, God, God spoke to me. He says, you know, I've, I've sent people your way, and you've rejected them. Reach out to those same people and see what happens. And so I reached out. I sent a, a letter out to 25 people asking personally, hey, help my family. And I, this is our only vehicle. The church van is down. We don't have another car. Help us. And the response has been overwhelming. And then Brandon and the board, they got together, and they says, listen, he can raise money, but we ain't going to let Pastor be without we're going to bless Passa. We got a little in the bank. So Passa, get the car fixed, and, and we'll worry about the rest. I don't ever want to take the church's money to take care of my personal affairs. I understand. I understand the church would like to. I don't want to do that. I've been in a position where, where we've raised enough outside of this to support, the outside of what y'all give, outside of this to support what God is doing, and give a lot of way, a lot. I'm telling y'all. And we lack for nothing. I says, I'm not going to take from the church. But the church took care of it, and money still pours in. I got two, two uh, receipt notices that somebody else gave directly toward the calls to get the van repair. Then the mechanic I met with put a brand-new transmission in there for lower than anybody in the freaking state of Georgia, in my opinion. Somebody can say amen. Not only did he do that, it was done Saturday. I, t- I dropped it off on Friday. Right? Then I thought I was going to have to pay towing, and I know for a fact I did not ask for this for Progressive, the towing package, but they're like, no, Mr. Santiago, you're covered. I was like, I, I didn't pay extra for that. I'm looking at my policy right here. They said, no, it's showing here. You're covered. I was like, okay, well, can you tow it to my mechanic? And I towed it over there, no cost. Cars repaired, sitting there, got Martell's car. People are pouring in, and it's because I didn't just read the word. I did it. I stopped in that instant. Didn't worry. You got it, God. You said it falls on you. 
what you going to do? And he's like, watch this. Bam, 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 bam. You good? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And we're good. And that's just how God responds. I'm not going to tell anybody's business, but I could tell all y'all business in here and know how he responded in the same way because you just did. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let us pray. Let us pray. Eternal and gracious God, I thank you for the stretching. I thank you for the pulling and the tugging and just the slapping and all of that stuff, God, to just straighten us out. God, we've been wearing these masks for so long. There's this image that we've had of ourselves that, not, that is not completely who we are. It's not who we are according to who you say we are, God. And so today, God, we, 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 we charge you and ask you to just stretch us to the point of just, just, just removing this veil, this mask that, 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 that we've thought is us. Help us today to just live a life that honors you with everything that we do, even in our hellos and goodbyes. Let it honor, please, you, God. God, I thank you so much for, for, for everybody here under the sound of my voice, Father God. Those who are here who, who, who've helped me to grow in, in this position that I'm, I'm in. Those who have given life-giving rebuke to me, Father God, to build me up to be the man that you've called me to be today. I thank you, God, for the way that you respond to the prayer requests to those who have just petitioned them up and sent them up to you. God, I love you so much, and I honor you for all that you do. And as we leave this place, God, stretch us even further. Stretch us even further. Make us examine our hearts, Lord, to see if there are things inside of us that don't honor you. And then, God, beat us up so that we can fix it. We want to honor you with everything. You deserve it. You're worthy of, of our praise, and, and you're worthy of the sacrifice of our lives, God. And we love you, and we're going to do that today. We're going to offer everything unto you and, and remove our masks and live a life that honors you. God, I love you. I honor you and praise you. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, my wife, Erica, you here, honey? E boogie. Okay, she's not here. Quick announcements, and then we're out. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.